the wager is going to be all my kids get uh, tuition paid for to IMG. I think that's the, I think that's I'm feeling the confident. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here on You Think, presented by Audiorama and our friends at Body Armor. Um, busy week, busy weekend uh, coming off week one of the NFL season. Uh, called my first game, flew out to Minneapolis for the Vikings Packers. Uh, America's game of the week with Fox this past Sunday. I knew going into the game that Minnesota on paper was pretty good. You know, when you look at the guys they added, the guys they have coming back, they were pretty good. Anytime a new staff comes in, new coaches, of course, Kevin O'Connell's the new coach there comes from the Rams. Um, you're always, you know, a little hesitant, like how long is the new system going to take before it kind of catches on? Well, I'll tell you what, they came out of the gates flying. Um, at one point they were up 20 to nothing. Um, Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers were struggling all day, both offensively and defensively. So I'm, I, w- I came away really impressed with Minnesota. It's a really cool place to go to a game. The stadium's beautiful. The fans are really into it. It is crazy loud. I had to have them turn down the crowd noise. They can turn that down in my headset because it was so hard. I almost couldn't hear my own voice because the crowd noise is uh, is pretty significant there inside that new stadium. So fun weekend. Um and the youth sports front, my wife had to take, she took my boys down to Myrtle Beach. Uh, my oldest had a baseball tournament that they only got a couple games in, and then it was rained out. So they spent more time uh, sitting at the field, waiting out weather delays. They never ended up actually finishing the tournament. So that was a bummer. So they spent the whole weekend um, at the beach. My daughter's soccer game she stayed home for was canceled. So we had a weather a weather weekend of youth sports in the Olsen house. So we didn't get a whole lot accomplished this weekend, but uh Boys got the kids got a little bit of a break, so that's never a bad thing. Uh, back to football this weekend. We had a bye, so we got a football game this weekend. Um, my youngest son has a baseball tournament. My daughter has soccer, so we are in the full fledged fall season of youth sports. Um, today we got a really cool guest. Um, one of the one of the places that we really wanted to explore when we were laying out this map of you think and and all these different aspects of the youth sports experience was the IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida. Um, I first was exposed to the IMG Academy years back. Uh, the, the DNC convention was here in Charlotte. They took over our stadium. So we got relocated the week that we were going to go play the Tampa Bay bucks. Um, week one, I want to say it was like 2014, give or take. And, um, so we went down there and we, we spent the whole week at, at IMG Academy. It was my first time ever seeing it. And just since then it has just blown up the camps, the Academy, the teams, you know, it seems like every, you know, every player that goes there is going on scholar. It was a really cool insight. Tim Pernetti, a uh, former college football player actually played high school football up in my neck of the woods in New Jersey. We talk a little bit about that. He was the athletic director at Rutgers. Um, he's now the COO of IMG Academy down in Bradenton. So Really interesting talking about elite youth sports, um, the boarding, the boarding component of you know sending away your high school or middle school child to go live, um, you know, outside of your home and, and kind of have a college type experience. So it was really cool to just hear his insight, hear how they're continuing to grow and why they think they're able to separate themselves and offer an experience that just frankly, other schools in our country can't match. So Really cool, interesting conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, thank you, as always, our sponsor, Body Armor. Body Armor not only fuels this show, but fuels all of my sports teams here in the local Charlotte area. Um, there's a lot of choices for sideline drinks. Um, my favorite, my kids' favorite, our fridges are stocked at all times with orange mango, strawberry, banana. Um, 
you know, I don't know. Just that's what our kids gravitate towards. We go to a gas station. Hey, can you get me body armor? We go to the supermarket. Hey, mom, can you make sure we get body armor? They just, they've always, they've just always gravitated towards it. And uh, we appreciate them joining us here on You Think these last couple of weeks as our show sponsor. Um, body armor is made with coconut water, B vitamins, no artificial sweeteners. For more information, you can go to drinkbodyarmor.com. So now please enjoy this conversation with the COO of IMG Academy, Tim Pernetti. But before we do, Tim, today we kick off, we are starting this for anyone who lives in New Jersey. When we're, ta- we're having this conversation, it's Ramapo Wayne Hills week. Big for week. All, for, so let's, before we get into IMG and how we get kids scholarships and all that nonsense, let's just go back a little bit. So for all of our New Jersey fans here on you think my dad was the high school coach at Wayne Hills high school where all my brothers and I went and our arch rival nemesis in the universe was Ramapo high school, Chris Sims, the tolls, the whole crew. Well, Tim, you went to Ramapo. And so like, what does the Ramapo Wayne Hills rivalry mean? Like still to this day, it's the first thing you said to me, Hey, you know, this is Ramapo Wayne Hills week. <laughs> it obviously still means a lot, you know? <laughs> so for, first of all, um, Greg, it's great to see you and be back with you. And, uh, after seeing you as a high school player and watching your career and, and seeing what you're doing now with this, like my hat's off to you and, and I wish you success with it, but thanks for having me. Um, at Ramapo, look, this was always known as we just used to coin it as Hills week. And from the, the end of the game, the prior week, all we would talk about was Wayne Hills. And, and the unfortunate part when you're a high school kid and you probably remember it got us into this frenzy about the game. Um, but I remember every snap of the Wayne Hills game, my senior year, when sorry to remind you, but we beat you guys on a last second field goal. This was probably when you were like five years old. Yeah, I was like four. Um, so it's fine. Yeah. Your dad gripped <laughs> my hand a little extra hard. Oh, I'm sure he did. Oh, day. I'm sure he did. Yeah, but it's a <laughs> Wayne Hills Ramapo. It's funny. Indian Hills, which was our sister school was the yeah. Thanksgiving day game, but Wayne Hills Ramapo has just sustained the test of time through all of this realignment in New Jersey to still maintain its status as one of the most bitter and competitive rivalries. So, you know, if you want to talk when we're off the air about what our wager is going to be on this game, I'm, I'm ready to do it. Fair. Uh, the wager is going to be all my kids get uh, tuition paid for to IMG. I think that's the, I think that's I'm feeling confident. <laughs> I saw Ramapo beat beat up on Willingboro last week. Yeah, I don't know how good, I don't know how good Hills is this year. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I, I would be making a bet without much uh, information. Well, I'll, all fun aside, that is a huge rivalry for any of our New Jersey people watching this. They'll know exactly for the rest of you uh, non-Jersey people. I'm sure what we're talking about means nothing. But, Tim, let's get into why we're here today. You know, the, the IMG Academy, just for, for some background, Tim, you're, you know, you've been, you know, an athletic director at Rutgers, obviously an all-state player. We just talked about at Ramapo. You've been in the sports landscape your entire life, your entire now career. For people who might not know, just give us an idea of, what is IMG Academy? My first time coming down, um, we, we practiced at your facility. We were getting ready to play Tampa and the, mm-hmm. the DNC convention was in Charlotte and they took over the stadium. So we got displaced for an entire week and we came down to Bradenton and used your facility. And I remember hearing about IMG, but then seeing it like changed my entire perception. So for those who don't know, like give us an idea of what IMG Academy is and kind of what its values are, what it stands for. And, and then we can dive into how this relates to, you know, young, young high school and, you know, even earlier athletes. Sure. I think what you said is honestly what we hear from 100% of the people that say, I knew about IMG Academy, 
But then when I went there, I was like, I, I couldn't believe what it was. So there's this perception of what it is. And then people that I always say the same thing, got to see it with your own eyes. It's kind of a different place. Uh, but then the battle too, which we can talk about is, is what people continue to perceive it as, which is just a school that's about, you know, it's about sports and that's really all it's about. So the IMG Academy, you know, going back, uh, IMG came in and purchased this tennis academy from the legendary Nick Bulateri. And Bulateri had established a place where kids could live and train. There was no school, there was no educational component, but he built a mecca for tennis that was globally known. And when IMG came in, they doubled down on that strategy and it became a group of sports academies. There was still no school. And as part of the process, IMG became a, a training center for a lot of pro athletes that were getting combine ready or draft ready. And then a lot of athletes that, that lived in the Florida area or, or relocated here to get elite level training. And you know, over time, what it's become is it's a 600 acre campus now. Uh, we are in the midst of a, of $100 million in capital expansion because of the growth we've had here. We actually thrived and grew during COVID, unlike everybody else. But it is a holistic educational institution. And the way I would look at it is sports and school are twins. Nothing is more important than the other. Like They, they operate on a high-level competitive plane with balance. So like if you came here, Given you know your experience in college, Greg, you would say this is a lot like I experienced at college on a smaller scale. Like the whole idea is to put kids in an environment that is highly structured, highly competitive, and prepare them for college. Because ninety nine point nine percent of the student athletes that graduate here play sports in college. Not all of them play for four years, but it's not a place where the future pros go to train. Like that's less than two percent of the 1400 kids that go to school here. The other kids are good at sport, trying to get great at sport and use it as a vehicle to get into a better school. Like that's really the environment in the place, but it is about holistic development. Like there's not just sports and school, there are other difference making factors that this place delivers that nobody else does. Yeah, what, what would you say your target audience is? You know, what, what, would, what are the families when you guys sit around and you say, all right, these are the types of kids, these are the types of like, what would you say you guys are out seeking like kids from um, obviously you get kids from all over the world, depending on the sure. sport, but you know, for the, you know, main American traditional team sports, obviously most of them are coming from, from the States, but like, what would you say your target audience that you're looking for and the families that you find are the most attractive to this kind of setup you're describing? I think the challenging part of finding the right audience is over time as this thing has grown you're more flexible, you know, on what the scope of the audience is. As it's grown to the point now where we're we're literally up against demand, you know, up against capacity, you can be more selective, you know, about those things. And the one thing the place has never wavered off of is, you know, what it stands for in, in a variety of its core values, like having a helpful heart, having a champion spirit, uh, you know, being being a, a contributor to the community and to people around you. But I think the demographic is it, it varies like 50 percent of the population here is international. So, you know, that is a great opportunity for you know kids from all over the world and, and absolutely student athletes in the States to be in a more diverse environment of people that they would not interact with at a public school or maybe even at a private school in other places. But, you know, certainly what we're looking for are student athletes that are highly motivated, that are highly competitive and are willing to sacrifice a lot of the things that 
contribute to the, to the happiness of kids along the way. Like I want to have a balance. I want to have a, a really comprehensive social experience when I'm in high school. Kids have that here. It's just, it's a boarding school environment. So it's highly structured all the time. And as far as parents go, I think, you know, this from doing this podcast, which I applaud you for doing it. Parents, when it comes to youth sports and you have your own kids now, and I have mine, I think parents, when it comes to youth sports that have not competed in sports at a high level, at times can be generally unreasonable, you know, sometimes about um, approach expectations, whatever. So our job, and it's a hard job, is we manage the conversation and the expectations in the first conversation, not later on in the process. Uh, but the academy is, you know, it's well known that it is not uh, a cheap proposition to send a student athlete to IMG Academy, uh, but it is a comprehensive proposition that prepares kids not only for college and college sports, but prepares them for the road ahead in their life, whatever it is that they decide to do. All right, well, so, so you brought it up. So I just want to dive down because I have a, a million thoughts in my head about how, how. So to start off, you brought up the cost, right? You brought up the access to it. But you guys are fielding teams, like you said, international groups of student athletes, individual sports, tennis, golf, but then also traditional, you know, American traditional team sports, baseball, basketball, mm -hmm. football, you know, so be it. So when you, when you bring up the cost, I mean, it is a pretty significant cost. I've seen upwards of, you know, $90,000, $80,000. You can correct me if those figures are accurate or, or not. So what, how do you guys keep the access to what you guys are offering open to as many people as possible, but then also say, Hey, if you want to come kind of have your child live this life and have this structure and have these opportunities to go on, like, what is the cost benefit analysis that these families are doing? And then are there opportunities for families who can't just out of pocket shell out that sort of money? Like, how do you guys work with them sure. as you piece these teams together? It's a great question. You know, uh, the thing that we try to remind people all the time is over a period of time, the cost has has increased. But this is a 600 acre campus with 1400 students, more than half of them live on the campus. And you have a 365, 24-7 campus. You're doing food service. You're doing campus safety. You have uh, staff living in the dorms, you know, managing student life. We have a 24-7 health services group. Um, you have coaches. You have administrators. Like the place, you don't turn it off. And there's a cost to doing that business. You can't turn it off. In addition to all the, the high-level comp competition and, and competitive education and training that we do in the school and, you know, on the courts or on the fields. So I think in a lot of parents and families that we've talked to, um, it is a significant investment. In some cases, families make that investment in the now in order for it to right. return on investment totally. in college, yep. right? Like, Hey, I'm going to invest a little bit now, but I think based on where, you know, my son or daughter is, academically and athletically, I think this may give them the opportunity to earn a scholarship or financial yep. aid in college. So in some cases, maybe it's a pay now, not pay later strategy. But we also try to be open and inclusive to everyone. And we do run this in a lot of ways, Greg, you run it like a university, like we do have a financial aid component here. Um, student athletes that come to IMG Academy that run through the application process have an opportunity to apply for financial aid. And we have qualifications for financial aid. We distribute a significant amount of financial aid. So, you know, a great story on that is, is when I got here, the one thing I noticed right out of the gate was three to one boys to girls. And then we started talking to girls about the experience. And we realized very quickly that we needed to put girls' experience and focus 
we want to make it a more interesting place for, for girls to attend boarding school. And we've doubled down on that. And in the process, we are part of a bigger company, right? We're part of Endeavor and, and WME, a big agency. And we have female leaders in sport that we represent. Danny Garcia, Robin Roberts, Lindsey Vaughn, Michelle Tafoya, Carrie Champion. We pulled them into a group and said, let's figure out how to create a different experience for girls. And you all will help us vet candidates and we will distribute full scholarships to six young girls a year to be part of this Women in Sports Committee IMG Academy Empowerment Program. And we actually have six girls on this campus right now in various sports that are part of that scholarship program. And that's a group of girls that could not have afforded the opportunity to be part of what we do. And now they are, and it's going to prepare them for all the things that they have ahead of them. So uh, financial aid is a component. And um, we're we're thrilled that we can do that. And I think as we get to more and more demand here, you know, financial aid ends up being a different conversation for people. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, is this, is your bucket of financial aid, you mentioned like a university. So, so much of the university has endowment and booster support and, you know, alumni support. How are you, when you guys are operating this in essence, like a, you know, a, a, not even a mini college, but like a legitimate university type setting, is this privately funded? Is this, do you, are you getting public funding? Like how, when you guys build this financial aid package, I bring my son or daughter to you. Mm-hmm. I go through a private application process or do I go through some sort of like publicly funded application process? No, it's not, you know, the, the beauty of this place in a lot of ways, and you mentioned, you know, briefly my former life as a, as an athletic director at a major public school in New Jersey. And I could tell you stories about politics and nonsense <laughs> oh, that sure. goes on in these places. But the beauty of this place is, is the model was built a long time ago to be a private for-profit model. Right. And that's not something that you see common you know, in this world, in our world. The beauty of what we've built here is like the boarding school is one component of the business. And while you have 1400 kids in the boarding school, and that is an expensive proposition, it's also the most expensive product to deliver, right? And then you have camps where you have eight to 10,000 kids every year will go to a camp here. That's an important part. We have teams, groups, and events like your team came here. That's a part of the business. I brought the WNBA here to do their COVID season during the bubble. So there's all these other things. The beauty of all these these businesses is it enables us to self-fund the financial aid. Got it. So there's no public process. um, There's no bureaucracy. We do have an application process and a review process for financial aid, but we are self-funding the financial aid, which makes the process more seamless and smoother for us to be able to identify the right candidates and be able to distribute it. And naturally, you have to make tough decisions. Like some of the financial aid, I think, is done in one way and and others are done a different way where like these girls are having a full financial aid delivered for the experience. So it's uh, there are various versions of it, but being able to run a successful business and self-fund it really gives us tremendous flexibility to be able to reach into the community everywhere students that are interested in this opportunity are. Yeah, that, that's super interesting. And again, you, you talked about how hard it must be at like some of these public schools. And I'm sure you have great stories about your time in Rutgers yeah. of trying to get application, you know, administration and financial aid and all that. I, I, I can only imagine what a disaster that process is. But uh, to not change gears too much, but along these lines, when you guys are seeking these student athletes and, and whether it's international tennis players or golf or whether it's football players or basketball players and baseball players here in the state, 
Are you guys actively going out and recruiting them? Do you find now that your brand is kind of so well known across the the youth athletic you know environment that these these athletes who seek this level of competition at a young age are finding you? Like, what is that process look like for you guys to build these truly elite teams? You know, you mentioned like a university. Though those coaches are out there, but you know, competing against other universities, you guys don't really have competition. If you want to go play on a truly elite baseball, basketball, you know, football team, you guys are in essence, the top of the ladder. So like, what does that recruitment slash just kids applying to come to IMG look like? I think Greg, a lot of what you're saying about where we stand in the pecking order has to do with the investment that's been made over time by, you know, the company to build the brand into the elite brand that it is. Um, I don't know that I totally agree. We don't have competition. Like I think there are other, you know, boarding schools out there that, that offer high level football, baseball, ice hockey, basketball. They're out there. Like one of our, you know, our biggest competitors in Florida in basketball is Montverde. I mean, that's a two point game every year. They have, you know, elite level players. We compete, we compete in all these other sports, but as you can imagine, and you remember this experience from your college experience, when you were getting recruited out of Wayne Hills is Coaches do a, a bulk of that work. And at IMG Academy, the way we're set up, unlike a lot of other places, is we don't have a lone athletic director and coaches. We have an athletic director, and then each sport sort of has its version of its own athletic director. Yep. And then you have the coaching staff, the administrative staff beneath them. But assistant coaches um, are doing a bulk of the recruiting. The answer of, like, do you recruit all of them? Do some come to you? It's a mix. When you have thousands of kids that come to camp, a hundred of those kids every summer convert into full-time boarding school students. Wow. So there's conversion out of camp. There are kids that are legacy. My sister went there. My brother went there. There are relationships like we have people recruiting in country, in the Far East, in Mexico, in South America. So, you know, we have assets promoting the IMG Academy and building that affinity. So it's a mix, but there is recruiting. The only exception is in Florida, it's not permitted you know, by state association rules for us to actively recruit. If student athletes in the state of Florida contact us and then go through the application process, that's all above board and that's legit. But there is quite a bit of, of recruiting that goes on, but it's not exclusively recruiting. A lot of people come to us based on brand and reputation or advocacy from a former teammate or a friend or a brother or a sister. And then we convert quite a few kids out of the camp experience on an annual basis. Like that's a significant number of kids. And what age would you say that conversion? I'm fascinated by that. I, 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 a couple kids that went to school with my oldest son, he's in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, a bunch of his buddies came down to, they actually did two weeks. They did, um, they did a week of football and they did a week of, I want to say lacrosse maybe. And so they came down and spent two weeks and they absolutely loved it. What age do you say traditionally kids enter into your program? Like, is there a, is there like a target specific age or could it, I'm sure it varies amongst the board, but like, is there a specific age where you see the most conversion or the most initial interest in putting their son or daughter into one of your, you know, one of your programs? I'd say it's a little bit of a mix. You know, the thing about, I didn't mention this earlier when I gave you the overview is, is sixth grade through 12th grade at the academy. And there's also a postgraduate program in certain sports. So, um, we really are working our tails off to get younger. Right? Because you want to have kids for more of the of the life cycle as much as you can possibly have. Um, I think the realities of some of it are, are some families 
Uh, we'll invest in it sooner to create some structure and then maybe not stay for the extended period of time. I've only met a handful of kids that have been here like six years, five years. Um, we are starting to see more kids in the three and four year category, but I think you see more in the two year category. What I'd say to you is like, it's like everything else. It, it, the the optics of these elite level teams, like we do have a national team in men's and uh, boys and girls basketball. You have one in football. You have one in baseball. But those numbers combined is you're talking about a couple hundred kids out of the 1,400, and the rest of them are the kids that are looking to use sport as the vehicle to get into a better school. So we see a lot of conversion out of camp, and the average age of the campers that come down, you would think like, oh, these are high school kids. They're yeah, not no, high school yeah. kids. The camp kids are like 12-year-old to 14-year-old kids. So we capture a lot of conversion into like the middle school or the freshman year age. And then you see quite a bit of conversion into the junior and senior level. Those kids are getting recruited. They're having success, but they want to compete in a different type of environment. They want to create structure. They want more competitive academic delivery. And naturally, they want to improve their looks right, by being part of something that is higher profile maybe than where they are. Yeah. And there's a preparation for college, right? Maybe they had scholarships yeah. before they came, played for you, but they've never been in a strength and conditioning program. They've never been in, you know, academic uh, advisory programs, their high school mm -hmm. wherever their local high school didn't offer them the new, you know, the, uh, right. all the elements that make some of the transition. That's what I always say to families when they ask me, like, well, why would you send your kid away and all that? And I said, that's, it's maybe not for everyone. But there is an advantage to your son or daughter having access to right. college level practices, whether it's academic, whether it's supports or whether it's, you know, the other versions of not just necessarily playing soccer. But what does mm -hmm. college soccer summer program look like? What does the weight room look like? Have you ever been mm -hmm. in, a, in a weight program? Like there's so many advantages to the academy style to like what you're describing that I think people often they just think there's two components. There's playing your sport. And there's going to school when in reality, there's a lot of other pieces that prepare yeah. you for that college life. So I think that's a that's a good point that you bring up. That's the difference maker, Greg, yep. quite frankly. Yep. I, I think there's there's schools out there delivering competitive academics and experience like we do. You know, although I put our curriculum up against a lot of these boarding schools because it's way more you know diverse. Um, there are places doing the sport. But the difference maker for us is something we call athletic and personal development. And this is a program where you get all the non-sport specific skill delivery from exactly. strength and conditioning, movement. Men, we, have, we have people with more diplomas on the wall than I've ever seen delivering mental conditioning, mindset conditioning, leadership training, media training, life skills, like all these things that really round out the experience. Like when I say holistic development, I'm not screwing around. Like this is something that is about more than just school and sport. That is required and mandatory programming as part of the delivery. And, you know, the cool thing about it was, like, even when you played in college, you're much younger than me, is, like, we had sports psychologists kind of milling around, but they weren't there full time. Right. Right. The mental conditioning coaches are on the fields and on the courts with student athletes. And what happens is in the moment something breaks down, they coach the moment. Right. So it's not about like, hey, I looked at your film at practice and yeah. here's what happened. Let's work. When it happens in the moment, that's when the delivery takes place, and it's game changing. Like even to me, when I first got here, I went out and witnessed it, and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, no like, different. Can you imagine than what, that. 
no different than your basketball coach. If you, you know, you, you had a bad shot or you ran the offense wrong, they would coach the moment. They would coach the, the mistake right. right then and there in the moment when it's the most fresh. So the idea that it's taken this long for the mental coaching component to catch up to the physical coaching component is interesting, but I, I'm, I'm it's crazy in a way. It, it really like, what is. took so long, you know, and, and yeah. for you that played at the highest level, you know, the mental component is, is arguably as, if not more important than anything else, that it be consistent. It's consistently delivered. What's great. What we love is colleges and universities. I'll leave the names out because there's some big ones call us and say, can we come in and see what you're doing? Like, we love that. That's the ultimate flattery that of we're, because some kids will go to these places and these schools will say, we've actually never had kids come here that are more prepared for the experience. And you mentioned the college component. College placement is something that we're bringing out of the shadows as a public conversation because we're really good at it. And a third of the kids that graduated here over the last couple of years, like people think, oh, they go to Alabama and they go to Duke, they go to Kentucky. We have those kids, but a third go to high academic division threes or Ivy League schools. You're talking about big numbers. Interesting. Yeah. So college placement is something we do really, really well. And we've doubled down on it. There's a, you probably know this. There are companies out there that are delivering recruiting experiences right. for student athletes in sports. So we acquired a company a year ago called NCSA, Next College Student Athlete. And essentially what it is, the easiest way to describe it is, it's like LinkedIn for high school student athletes that want to compete in sports in college. And you have an advisor who's like a former coach or college admissions director or whatever it is, and they will get to know you. They'll help develop your materials. They'll connect you with the right schools based on your profile, and they help you get recruited. We have plugged this in to our existing college placement to supercharge what we do for student athletes. Because if you're a parent, like I'll tell you what parents worry about here. Like they don't ask so much about the sport and the school. Like they know they're getting delivered at, a, at an elite level. What happens if my kid gets hurt? What happens if they get sick? Are they safe? And where are they going to college? Like these are the things parents are concerned with when they send their kids here. And the first three, like it, it's a daily 24-7 operation to deliver it. But college placement is hugely important. And we are having great success. Like everybody is matriculating out of this place. Yeah, and it goes hand in hand with the, the next part I want to talk to you about, which I find to be super interesting. And, and you just kind of alluded to it. So of course you have your elite teams, you know, your, your football team that we see playing on TV and your baseball team and, and soccer and whatnot. But you also have, you know, all right. So say my kid is not, he's not good enough to play on your elite baseball team, mm -hmm. but he's a, he's a good high school player. We want to give him this. He has an opportunity to go play in college. He's not going to be drafted, but he can go play college baseball or basketball, soccer, whatever it is. You have other teams that you, it's not just the best 15 high school baseball players. And then you let everybody else out. Right. So talk, tell parents, if you have a child, a son or daughter who wants to go play at this competitive level, but your concern is they're not at the quote unquote elite of the elite. Like what services are you providing that those kids can also come and thrive in the mm -hmm. IMG structure? It's a great question. And I think we're, we're now getting to the core of what this place really is, which is, you know, 90% of the student athletes here are not on those national teams. And, you know, back to parents and expectations. Um, we know that like, I, I know it was like that with, with my kids is, is you look at your own kids a little bit differently, but we've got a spot in sports like that for essentially any level. And the goal we have is like, how do you place student athletes at a level where you know they will be challenged 
and it will be hard, but it will give them an opportunity for improvement. And what we see is a lot of student athletes will start on like baseball. Craig is our fastest growing sport here. Yeah. So tell us about that. How many teams are you have? Like just use that as an example. 14. Wow. Yeah. 14 baseball teams. And And how do you, and how do you, like, how do you vary who's on what team do you try to, like, I, I think that's incredible. It's a hard process. You know, my hat's off to like our director, Dan Simons, who runs the baseball program. He's a former college coach. I mean, this guy does an incredible job. Baseball was one of those enigma sports at the academy. And over the last five years, we've doubled the number of participants. Um, I think in the last two years, we've had double digit draft picks, in the MLB draft. This year, we had our highest draft pick. Elijah ever Green. Elijah, right? No, he's in Miami. He's committed to Miami. Right. I don't think he's going to make it, but. He's going to probably, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Either way, he's going to cool. win, right? I always still yeah, claim it's... that he's going to Miami. Sorry, but go ahead. Sorry. He should, because that's what he hits the decision he made. Baseball's kind of strange in that. It's super strange. These guys commit and they never go. I know. It's but, so strange. But 14 teams, right? So what we do is, is part of the process is you have to assess the ability of a lot of these kids, and then you have to place them. And what I would say to you, just full transparency, is I don't think 100% of the parents will ever agree um, with where their kids are placed. But when they see the development over time, not only in the sport, but what you hinted at is like, if you're, if you send your son here and he gets placed on the fourth or fifth team and he's not on the national team in baseball, he gets the same programming and the same delivery and the same everything as kids yeah, on the was, national team. That was going to be my question. Like d- yeah. d- if you, wherever you fall on that spectrum, are you getting the same access to training, nutrition, same. coaching, everything? You're getting the same experience. doesn't matter who you are or what your level is because the philosophy here at IMG Academy, in the school, on the field, in athletic and personal development around all the life skills is our role is to plug all that in at the same level and deliver a great experience for everyone because we know it's going to give everybody the ability to elevate. Like maybe, oh, okay, national team kids can't elevate. That's not true. Of course they can elevate. They can improve in a variety of different ways but especially holistically, like, you know, that the thing we actually hear the most from parents is when my son or daughter came home, they were a different person. Like they looked me in the eye, they asked questions, they folded the laundry, they took out the garbage, they interacted with people differently. Like sport and school are important. I don't know about you. I say this to people all the time. College football was the hardest thing I ever did. It changed me as a person. I think if I didn't have that experience, I would be a very different person. This is changing who kids are. And it's really about the development of the entire individual. When we see parents, they're like, I barely recognized this kid when they came back after two years. That's the goal. It's more of that because we know they're going to play in college. We know they're going to succeed academically. We know they came here with uh, the ability to go to Amherst or Williams and they ended up at Harvard. We know all that stuff. But when they go out of here and they're more developed and more mature and more you know, uh, delivering it as a person, that's the goal. Like, that's really what we are trying to do here. Changing that narrative publicly has been hard because people are like, IMG sports, we're out to change that narrative because that's actually not what it is. But I think it's so true. We we say it all the time, you know, in our conversations, you know, here with you, you know, do you think, and I talk a lot about the teams that I coach, you know, with my kids. And and again, they're, they're young fifth, fourth grade type, you know, 10 and 11 year yeah. old teams. But we, we always say, and we say this to our parents, I've said it on the show, of what we're doing at practice in the games has nothing to do with the sport, right? The the sport is just secondary. It's just, it, yes, we're going to teach them to field, shoot, throw, catch, whatever the specific skill is, 
but it's, can you follow directions? Can you be held accountable? How do you deal with failure? How do you deal with feedback? How do you interact with coaching? How do you deal with playtime, you know, disputes? And, and so much of that is often tied into the parents, right? That the parents to me in the youth sports experience is the trickiest part. Typically the kids are not the problem. Typically a lot of the problems are with the adults. And Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know what your interaction at IMG is with the families, right? I'm, I'm paying a, a good amount of money to send my son or daughter and you place them on the ninth team. And I think they're on the third team and they're not playing right. as much or like, what is the interaction and the, and the, the line of communication with the parents, right? Cause I, to me, that drives this entire ship is, is, is dealing with adults and dealing with adults, sometimes having a misconception of where their child fits on the la- on, you know, on the, on the mm-hmm. scale here. So like, how do you guys, I'm assuming you have a line of communication with these parents, sure. but like, how yeah. do you also keep those barriers? We say, we'll deal with your child, you know, especially the high school kids, but like, we got to keep some sort of buffer here that you're not calling me every five seconds. Why my mm-hmm. kid's not able to do, you know, this or that. You nailed it. I mean, managing expectations for parents in general is it's a full-time job and it's challenging. And I, I, I want to say this too, very clearly. There are a lot of parents of students at IMG Academy that, that come in with the right expectations, or maybe their expectations are here and and this is the assessment, but they're willing to listen and everybody comes to the middle and you can figure it out. The interaction takes place in a lot of ways. In in my role running this business on a day-to-day basis, um, we have a head of school. You know, a lot of parents will reach out to the head of school when it comes to, you know, academics or concerns. As you can imagine, even like in college or in high school, Parents will reach out to the coaches or the sport director directly, the people they interacted with when they made the decision to come to IMG Academy. Uh, I dedicate time every single week to talk to parents directly myself because like, my job is to try to figure out how we move the experience forward in a positive way. Like, We can't just count on the fact that we do everything really well. We can improve. And I listen to families and parents and customers, families of campers, pro teams that come in. Everybody, I've pushed the whole management team here to be accessible to the customer. But the most important thing about the parent interaction is you just have to listen to what they have to say. I think in most cases, parents that have concerns will ratchet up their frustration if they don't feel like there is a voice or an ear on the other end to be able to have the conversation. So we've done that constantly across the campus. What I've said to everybody is a thousand people working here is everybody touches the customer. And when you touch the customer, like on game day, you're the CEO. If a customer comes to you with a concern, you are empowered to solve that. Start by listening and then figure out a way to solve it. So it's challenging. What you're doing coaching your kids is and the guys you surround you, that it's brutal, but it's the right approach because, you know, I ran youth football in my town in Oakland for 10 years. I went down to the first practice when my oldest was six years old, playing flag football. I saw all these dads around. I saw the mayor a couple of days later and I said, you got to get rid of some of these guys. Like all they talk about is winning. And he's like, all right, big shot. You take it. So I put myself in there took it over, surrounded kids with better people. And I said, here's the goal. We want them to work hard, to learn the game, to have fun and to come back next year. I said, and all the stuff we talk about is not just going to be about sport. Like we're going to talk about respect and how you, where you sit in class and how you deal with your teacher and what you do with mom and dad and doing the maximum. and Kids came back every single year, but most people don't have the guts to do that in youth sports because the parents, they worry about the winning. Like 10 years of that, Greg, 
I never had a problem with the kid. And I actually banned half a dozen parents from the facility. Like the number of parent problems I had, I lost count of them. <laughs> it's so true. There's no joke. It's crazy. I, I get it. it. It's hard. And and you you nailed it. Expectations and everyone having a clear, you know, we talk a lot here about communication. You know, we, we, we talk, sure. we do a lot of stuff for like best practices of youth coaching. And so much of it is it's the coach's job to set expectations. Yes. To the kids, to the players, but also more importantly to the parents, here's how mm-hmm. we're going to run things. Here's why we are going to do things this way. Here's how your son or daughter is going to be evaluated. And this is what the factors are going to be to implement what position they play or how much time and what mm-hmm. here's everything. If you have any questions, you're welcome to ask us, but this is how we're approaching it. This is why we believe it. If you don't like our approach, go play for a different team. Like no one's forcing you to do it, but like we believe in, not everyone likes the way we run it, but we're not for everybody, but we are very clear with our expectations of what we expect from the kids, what we expect from the parents. We expect you to be on time. We expect Mm -hmm. you to let us coach your kid. So, I mean, we, we see that at this, at this small level, so I can only imagine what that machine looks like to, you know, to have 1400 student athletes at yeah. various ages. So I, I can only imagine what that line of communication and what that entails. Cause I think it must be, yeah. it has to be a feat in and of itself. It is, you know, and my hat's off the people, the thing about IMG Academy that is remarkable is you can't turn the place off. Like, it's not like you work nine to five and then you have yeah. a weekend. Off. It doesn't exist. People here are remarkable. Like they care so much about our, purpose, which is like to empower student athletes to win the future. Like they care so much about it. They pour themselves into it. The relationships that they have, like it's a hard, hard job. So that communication is a feat in itself. And I think everybody's assumption is like youth sports, it's terrible. High school, it's bad. College is like, if kids are good enough, they they never hear. When I worked at Rutgers, I had a parent of a girl soccer player who worked in Italy fly to New Jersey to talk to me about the kids playing time. It doesn't end in college. Like parents are still doubling down on playing time, but you probably know this from what you're doing. You have to set some boundaries. You talk to parents and say, here's what we're out to do. Here's how we're going to do it. You're not going to agree with everything we do. If you don't, you're welcome to talk to us, never at a practice or a game. And we just encourage you to wait 24 hours. If you feel the same way in 24 hours, come talk to us. Totally. That's but, our, you know, we I have to, that exact rule. Yeah, that's what you do. I used to, you'll love this because you're from my neck of the woods. I used to coach as well as run the program and I'd always keep an extra whistle in my pocket. And the minute a parent ran their mouth, I would throw the whistle at him and say, we could use help. And then I would never hear from them again. Yeah, of course. I don't want to really be invested in that. it. I love passive aggressive. They want to tell you what to do. Oh, yeah. I love passive aggressive, subtle jabs. Oh, well, you, it's because you're so from my, my neck of the woods. That's, that's why so you like Jersey. it. Right? Yeah, I, I, I always say, listen, if you want to sacrifice in your time and energy and effort and come coach the team, you can do it. Cause I Bring promise you, once you step off the sideline and you're in the fire and everything's on you and you got 20 kids looking at you and they're looking sideways, they have no idea what you're talking about. They, mm-hmm. Now you come out here and do it and tell me how easy it is. But I, 100%. T- be- before I let you go, and again, you've been, Tim, you've been so generous with your time. I, I could ask you, I'm fascinated by this whole thing. I want to bring my kids down to a summer camp, uh, one of these years. Cause I, I think they you know have who a blast. to call. I know I you got know the who to guy call when you're ready. I, I've got a guy. Um, all right. So say, say my daughter comes and she enrolls, she's a ninth grader and she's going to play on your girl's soccer team. Mm-hmm. G- just give our viewers an idea of what does the life look like? We know she's going to practice and weight train and all that, but like, 
give us an idea of the, you, you mentioned the holistic approach to the experience of these, of these mm-hmm. young kids. Like what would her typical day look like? Yeah, it's a great question. It's, it's highly structured, you know, like it's not a typical high school day anywhere else, but basically this is how it works. We have to run the school twice a day and people are like, well, what exactly does that mean? We have 1400 kids. So some will go to school in the morning and they'll do sport in the afternoon. Some will do sport in the morning and they'll do school in the afternoon. And obviously they're doing breakfast. They're doing lunch. They got homework. They have strength training some days. They have mental conditioning some days. They have nutrition meetings some days. Um, there's a variety of different things. They have to do treatment and training and get iced and do the cold tub. Like it's, it's that life. But what I would say is like, I don't want to paint the wrong picture is that letting them be kids is a hugely important part of what we do. We built a student athlete recreational complex with outdoor basketball courts and soccer fields and uh, a smoothie bar and a pool. That's like on Sundays when kids have nothing, it's like a Vegas pool club, like big screens, loud music, food, everybody's in the pool hanging out and relaxing. We do trips to the beach. Kids go to the mall, kids go to Disney, kids go to Bush Gardens. Like we're doing excursion, fishing trips, golf. Like there is an element of this where we want kids to be kids. There's pep rallies, okay? Because we're part of a bigger company that represents a lot of celebrities, we launched something last year during COVID. We were talking to kids about mental health. And they said it would be great to hear from other people about how they manage certain things. Like I'm interested in financial literacy. I'm interested in overcoming adversity. We created a thing called the IMG Academy impact series where we had WME and Endeavor clients come to the school and do assemblies with kids. And Sabrina Ionescu talked about name, image, and likeness and how she missed it by a year, but why it's really a distraction. And she was happy to miss it by a year. It kept her on her plan. Scotty Pippen Jr. and Sr. did one together, talked about their experiences. And then we are now planning other clients to do this. But in a lot of ways, it is like a high school. Like we get people in this basketball facility and we do assemblies. There was a pep rally at the beginning of school. There's the kickoff week. The coaches line up the first day of school and clap kids in. Like it's a real community here. That's cool. But trust me, kids get to have fun because we know that the balance of actually being a kid Like, yeah, we're big on nutrition, but we've got a place that does pizza all the time because kids like pizza. Like you can't deny kids the experience of being kids, but it's highly structured. Like your daughter might go to school and then have lunch and then do sport. And then on the weekend, she'll have excursions, but she's got mental conditioning and then the cold tub and then homework. And then I got dinner and then I got film. Like in a lot of ways, it's like you and I experienced when we played in college. Yeah, it sounds sounds very much like that. And and again, I'm going to ask you a question that I'm sure you field all the time. But again, I think it's important. You, you mentioned that a lot of what you guys are doing is trying to change narratives and optics that you don't necessarily al- think that publicly align with what you guys are doing in-house. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, I've heard people say, to me, you know, your kids are going to go off to college. They're going to go off. So why rush it? Like why send them there two years early, three years early, one year, whatever it is. So hearing you say, like, it seems like you guys really make a conscious effort to try to make this no different than if they were back at their you know, public or private school back home. But like in your words, like, why is it okay to send my son or daughter away to a college quote unquote college type experience as a 10th grader or an 11th grader? I think it's a decision that you make as a family based on one thing. And we know the difference between 
student athletes that succeed at a high level and those that have success, or maybe they decide they're not going to play whatever. What's the difference? They're willing to do the maximum, not the minimum. They're willing to sacrifice some of the things in their lives that you know other kids may be able to do. Like, you know, my younger son who's playing basketball at Gettysburg, he sacrificed a lot in his high school career because he wanted to play college basketball at some level. And I used to say, like, I'd see his friends out doing this, that, and the other thing, and he sacrificed. I think that's the difference. Family has to make a decision. Like, why am I going to do this? Because we're going to double down and do more than everyone else to distinguish ourselves. And by the way, COVID screwed up recruiting completely, and it's going to take five years to recover. This transfer portal nonsense means less spots for kids. It's harder than ever to get recruited. And I think the decision also shines a brighter light on certain student athletes based on the fact that the brand has power. It's known in all the eight sports that we deliver, and it does create more looks along the way and also gives you the ability to supercharge your development, your improvement on a variety of fronts, mainly as sort of the the whole individual. But it is a case-by-case case, you know, decision. What I'd say too, Greg, is like we talked about price. When I came here, I said, you have an addressable market in youth sports of billions of kids. There's 1,400 kids here. And when we talked about doing another IMG Academy somewhere else, which we're not doing, when we talked about it, somebody in a meeting said something about watering down Florida. And I was like, there's billions of kids in the environment. Are you watering it down with 1,400 kids? You're going to have one somewhere else. But the strategy going forward from the NCSA acquisition, we are in development on something called IMG Academy Plus, which is during COVID, we developed a virtual camp product. We put it in beta, people bought it, we trained them virtually. It was kind of fun. IMG Academy Plus is virtual mental conditioning, virtual nutrition training, virtual mindset. We are piloting this because we know there's an audience out there that would love to be associated with or have an experience with IMG Academy as a brand, but at a different price point, or they can do it from a distance. They could pay less. They could still be associated. They could get the expertise. We're now taking the expertise we have outside the walls. And that's not something that's been done. It took COVID to open our eyes to all the possibilities there. But that's really where I think a great opportunity is for us. And I think these resources are all so valuable for our listeners, right? Our, our viewers, the people who listen to our show on a week that week by week, and we hear from them, they submit questions. Like, these are the things they're asking us. Like, what can we do to help our son or daughter make the sixth grade team, make their middle school mm -hmm. team, make their high school team? And then, of course, you know, there's the handful that are saying, hey, my, my son or daughter has aspirations beyond to go to college. But these tools and resources are just so valuable. And, and you, that might've been the answer to my last question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And maybe if it is, then great. If not, maybe there's something else like, what is the future of IMG? Like, where do you see it going? What's the next, you know, the next path for you guys to just continue to expand this opportunity and these resources that you guys are able to provide these young kids? I'll, I'll answer it in, in, in one sentence. I think the future of, because when people say IMG Academy, they think of the physical destination in Florida. I'm sure that's the first thing you thought of, right? Because you've been here and you've yep. experienced it, although it's like a different place from when you were here. Yep. The goal, where we're going in the future, wherever we are physically is, IMG Academy is not a, just a destination. IMG Academy is an experience, right? That can be delivered in a variety of different ways. It can be delivered in a camp. It can be delivered in person as part of a boarding school experience. It can be delivered virtually if... Hey, I'm in a great program. I'm competing at a high level. I'm battling with the mental part of it. 
I'm going to sign up for IMG Academy plus mental conditioning. And I'm going to have my training every week from, from one of their experts there. Right. So the narrative is two things. Number one is this is a place for holistic development of young people. And it's not just a destination anymore. Like that's where we're headed. The battle is they hear this two NFL draft picks, five major league baseball draft picks, four McDonald's all Americans this year, which is more than any school high school in the country has ever had. And we ride that because it creates great marketing visibility for who we are. But where we're going is IMG Academy is an experience. It's not just a destination. I think that's awesome. I, I, th- I hope this is an ongoing conversation. I hope we can check back in with you over time, Tim, because I just I find so. there's so can much. Can we do more. a live show from IMG Academy? Like, let's get yes. you guys down here and that's do a, a show done. from here. That, let's done. do it. We just booked it. We're coming All down. Right. I, I just think there's so many more. I mean, I have just so many other things that I want to be able to dive into. I think it'd be great for our viewers to be able to see the facility and be in person and be down there and show them the academic facilities and show them the dorms and show them where the kids eat and sleep and play. They know weight rooms are cool. They know the practice facilities are, I, I, so I, yes, I think there's a, there's a bigger conversation here. And again, Tim, I I can't thank you enough for, you know, joining us here. I think these resources and these tools that we can continue to kind of open the, open these doors and eyes to our viewers is the whole purpose of what we're doing here at you think. So I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, good luck to Ramapo. I hope we beat you. Remember what's on the line. Everybody hear that. He just said, good luck to the big rival. Well, cause so. I wanted to be nice because if Wayne Hills wins, I'm sending all three of my kids there for free. I, that's on the record. Listen, there's a lot on the line here. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. Um, I'm, I'm going to stop short of wishing Wayne Hills luck. I just Fair don't enough. know if that's something Where's that the game. Is it in Rampo or is it Wayne Hills? I believe it's at Ramapo this year. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not a place that you have great memories. I'm not sure of, if I've sure. ever. I'm not sure if I've ever won there. Well, we but would you win. We would I win remember, a lot at home. We won a lot at home. You did. You beat them. In, I remember being there at the state championship game when you beat them in Wayne on that muddy, rainy because yeah, we, we were that? supposed to. We were supposed to play at Rutgers, and we right. got a horrible snowstorm, and they I couldn't remember. plow the field off. So they moved the game to a Sunday. They canceled it on mm-hmm. Saturday. They moved it to Sunday and we were the higher seed. So we got to host it and it was a mess. There it was, was a mess. Ugh. It was a grass yeah, you know, field tight, at listen, the time. Tight ends are the best athletes on the field. We Obviously. all know that. And we always figure out a way to adjust to the elements there. Of so. course. Cause that's what we do, but no, Tim, <laughs> you can partial. count on it. We're coming down there. You think we are going to come down there. We are going to come visit with you guys. We, we have a broadcast center here too, by the way. I forgot to mention, we built it out during COVID in our school. Like, oh, that's we're cool. ready for you. All you got to do is bring your your handsome face and we'll plug Done. in and we'll just go. Well, I have that. <laughs> you do. All right. Well, hey, Tim Bernetti, thank you so much, Tim, for just allowing us to have this conversation. Thank you for joining us on You Think on behalf of IMG. And uh, you can count on it. We're coming down and this conversation is not over. Love it, man. Thanks for having me. It's always great to see you. All right. Thanks so much. Tim Pernetti, VIMG Academy. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our latest episode with IMG Chief Operating Officer, Tim Pernetti. Um, you know, listen, the landscape of youth sports is changing. You know, people are, are taking a much more professionalized approach. We've covered that now countless times here on You Think. And, uh, you know, IMG is at the top of that. They don't shy away from the services and the experience that they believe they're offering. But I, I really enjoyed the part that I took away was how much they really do value and cherish like the overall athlete, student athlete experience. You know, everyone thinks it's just about the sport, the sport, the sport. And to hear him talking about how they balance the athletics, how they balance academics, and then how they balance the personal social side, 
I thought was really eye-opening for me. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, it might not be for everybody, but it's out there and it's gaining steam. And uh, I think it's just an interesting world to explore. So thanks again to Tim Pernetti from IMG Academy for joining us here on, uh, on You Think. And at this time, as always, I'm going to be bringing in my producer, Tasha. Tasha, we got some good ones today or what? Okay, so this is from Davis from Instagram. He says he's seeing a lot of young athletes who are getting famous online and becoming jerks. So how would you advise athletes with large followings? It's hard. I mean, this is something that we talked uh, with, with Josiah Johnson a couple of weeks ago. You know, we had him on and he kind of gave us the lay of the land and how social media is being used for good and for bad. And, you know, this is always going to be one of the you know unintended consequences is we're going to create, you know, pseudo celebrities at a young age and listen, it's hard for adults to be some, you know, celebrities, you know, be well-known, be followed, have that pressure of putting out this certain image or the pressure of having a lot of eyeballs on them. And let alone now we're asking young kids, you know, as young as high school and, and then oftentimes even younger. So, you know, I think it's a challenge. I think it falls a lot on the parents. I think it falls a lot on the parents, you know, monitoring and understanding what's going on on the social media channels. How is it being used? Um, you know, for all the good that you think is coming out of it, you know, being aware that there are going to be some unforeseen negatives that are going to come, uh, that are going to come as a result. So I, I think a lot of it falls on the parents. I think if the kid is using it uh, and not using it for the right manner, it's got to be, it's got to be limited. It's got to be restricted in some capacity, um, you know, by the adults in their life. So listen, the, the code of social media has yet to be cracked. Um, you know, I, I go through it with my own kids. They're on TikTok and the videos they see and watch. And, you know, we constantly are monitoring that and making sure that what they're being exposed to and how they're portraying themselves is in a positive is in a positive light in a light that, you know, they're not going to look back on and regret. So it's a, uh, it's a challenge, you know, anytime uh, someone gets early fame, early, you know, early notoriety, you know, we've seen it, we've seen it throughout, you know, time. It's um, it's a delicate balance. You know, there's a lot of good that comes with it, but unfortunately there's a lot of bad. Yeah. Well, our second fan question is also from Instagram. It's from Chris. He says, I can't keep up with the NCAA transfer rules. And it seems like it's hurting the student athletes the most. So what do you think will make it better? I, I think that's what everybody's trying to figure out, you know, as we speak, I think, you know, the combination of the NIL stuff and the transfer portal just makes a truly open system. You know, it makes a system where you really can just every year enter in and enter into the portal and go to the highest bidder. And I don't think that's necessarily what everybody had in mind when they fought hard to have student athletes be able to be compensated and paid. You know, I think in, in its own little sphere, I think that was a positive, but now all of a sudden the unlimited transfer portals and not having to sit out, um, you know, in conjunction with the ability to go out and seek the highest dollar and seek the highest bidder, I think has just created a market in which, are we losing the integrity? Are we losing what the, you know, the student athlete college experience should be? I think either one of those two situations by themselves, I would be supporting, I'd be supportive of. I think the idea that if a, if a coach leaves or if you're, you know, you're not playing or you fall behind the depth chart that you have to stick it out at that school and not go seek another opportunity to further your career, further your education. I think that's, I think to limit kids from those options is tough. You know, that was the rules when I had, when I transferred, from Notre Dame to Miami, I had to sit out an entire year. Um, you know, those, that's no longer the case. So I'm, I'm, I like that they changed that rule. I want kids to be able to go and play and have success and be in a situation that they're comfortable in. I also could live with the idea of 
student athletes being compensated, these TV deals, these merch deals. I mean, there's a lot of money being made off their backs. I think the problem lies that there's both things simultaneously in existence, which now kind of breaks what the, the original thought of both rules now, when they're used together, I think kind of deviates off its original path. So keeping up with the rules, I'm sure they're going to change again. Um, I'm sure they're going to change countless times as the landscape of, of college sports continues to evolve. So it's something that we'll monitor. It's something that we'll continue to learn to navigate as time goes on. But, you know, I'm with him. I, I think it's a, it's a challenging landscape right now to keep track of. Do you think it hurts the student athlete or do you think the transfer portal favors student athletes? I think like anything, I think some kids are really benefiting. I mm-hmm. think they're benefiting, you know, cause they're able to transfer and further their, you know, their athletic career. They're getting new opportunities to play, whether it's a kid who, who leaves a small school and is able to move up the ranks or a kid who's kind of buried on the depth chart at a big school, being able to drop down maybe a level of, of, of school and be able to play and contribute and start or, you know, whatever it is. So I think as anything, there's, there's pros. I think there's a lot of kids who've gotten opportunities through this to earn money, to make a living, to, you know, help support their family, have a better life, um, you know, make money that it's being made off their back and getting a cut of it. So I think there's all those positives. And then I think like anything, there's a bunch of negatives. There's a bunch of high school kids that are not getting scholarships that five years ago would have been getting scholarships because those are being earmarked for the transfer portal. So now all of a sudden, instead of being able to be the 20th scholarship and be a kid who they're taking a chance on at a high school, you're not getting that scholarship anymore to, you know, school X. You're now going to have to drop down a level to get opportunities to play because they're going to wait for somebody to enter the portal who's a little more physical, a little more developed, a little older than you are. And they're rather take up that roster spot with somebody else. So I, I think like anything, there's there's two sides to the coin. It just matters. How does it affect you personally when you're in that moment? I think that's how everybody's judging all of this. And I don't know if that's necessarily great for the entire whole. All right. Well, our last audience question says, we hear a lot about your dad, Chris, on the podcast, but your mom was also a legend too. She was a PE teacher in Jersey. So what was it like growing up with her? Yeah, she's the best. Um, it's funny. We back home before, before my dad won his first state championship, we used to bust his chops because she actually, she was a softball coach, um, at the school she coached at, um, as the questions was, she was a PE teacher, um, phys, uh, phys ed teacher. She was a special ed teacher, had a couple different roles at her school, Manchester, um, regional high school back in New Jersey. But before she had my older brother, she was also the varsity softball coach and she won a state championship as a softball coach before my dad won one as a football coach. So that was always kind of like our running joke to him that mom was a better coach than he was, but she, um, she kind of gave up the coaching once she, once she had my brothers and I, but, uh, she was the center. She made it all work, you know, especially my dad was coaching and doing his thing. And she was getting us to and from practice, getting us fed, getting our homework done. You know, she was managing all of that while dad was especially in season. So she, uh, she made it all go. She's still kind of the rock that makes it all go. And we're very thankful for everything. One day we're going to have her on maybe for a mother's day episode. We'll, we'll have her on because she raised three boys that all went through it in three different capacities. She lived as a wife of a football coach uh, for 40 years. So she, uh, she has a lot of really good stories and she has a lot of good, a lot of good nights and a lot of bad nights as a result to, uh, to both youth sports and and high school sports. So it's uh, I'm sure she'd have a lot of, I think people would enjoy a conversation with her. We're going to have her, uh, we're going to have her on one of these days. Seems like coaching just runs in the Olsen blood. 
Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Oh, gosh. Well, that's all we have for fan questions today. You could submit them at Youth Inc. or at Greg Olson on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We got it. Thanks so much, Tasha. Appreciate the you joining as always. And thank you guys all so much for following us here on You Think. Um, please continue to rate, review, subscribe wherever you guys get your pods. And uh, we look forward to seeing what we have in store for you guys next week. Take care.